I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to episode 30 of the Simply Convivial audio blog. This is the Simply Convivial audio blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. So why such a strange name? What does convivial mean anyway? It means that our attitude as we do life together with our kids matters. Our attitude has to be convivial, full of life, festive, and good humor. Season five will be all about why we need conviviality and how to get it. Making a Convivial Home, Unrelenting Fellowship. I mentioned before that the Wilson's advice helped us get our marriage off to a strong start. The biggest and best piece of advice that they gave was to never leave one another when out of fellowship. That isn't that you can't leave until you both agree, but you can't leave while you have unconfessed and unforgiven sin between you. The principle is not to let unresolved sin have any place or time in your relationship. It's a high ideal, but it's a good one to strive for. My husband also insisted from the beginning that we never do cop-out versions of forgiveness. It has to be a plain dealing, please forgive me for this sin, and an I forgive you. Sorry is for regret, and it's okay is a cop-out, because sinning isn't okay. This practice was stretching for me, but after years of practice, I see the beauty and the peace that it gives to life. Keeping short accounts leaves no room for resentment, no room for bitterness. It also means that even in the midst of an argument, I'm more careful how I express myself or where I let myself go. Better to not sin in the first place than to have to ask forgiveness and make it whole and right again. It also means that I can express myself openly and honestly and have confidence that we're both striving to reach unity. And when we fail on our way there, restoration will be sought. In short, remaining in fellowship has been the life and health and peace of our marriage. It's a way to practice the love that 1 Corinthians 13 commends. It's not irritable, not resentful, rejoicing with the truth, bearing all things, keeping no record of wrongs. Over the years, I've been very encouraged and convicted by Rachel Jankovic, Doug and Nancy Wilson's youngest, and her articles, video clips, and books have been particularly helpful for me. One line in particular struck me in an article that she wrote called Homemade People. She said, They are learning about themselves by learning about the family around them. They're learning what kinds of jokes make this family laugh. They're learning about who God is and what he is like. They are accumulating experiences that could never be planned, never given outside the context of constant, unrelenting fellowship. Unrelenting fellowship. That phrase stuck with me. I realized that what Rachel has been doing is taking her parents' marriage advice and applying it to parenting. And that makes total sense, and I felt a little dense for missing it. It is so hard. I get a total fail on that front. Here I was wondering what relationship with kids would even be like or look like, because sometimes when other people talk about it, I feel like they are on some other planet. How are authority and relationship compatible in real life? But does God call us to relationship with Him? Of course. And how much greater is that authority? Unrelenting fellowship. That means pursuing our children. It means not letting fussiness, whining, tantrums, arguing go. 
either by sweeping it under the rug or by just sending them to deal with it themselves. And don't come back until I can tolerate you again is often my not-so-hidden communication. What if we didn't leave each other until the account is clear and the relationship and fellowship restored? What if instead of communicating, I can't stand you right now, I communicated, I'm not going to leave you until we are right and restored? Which one of those would build security in my daughter? Which one would teach straight and right dealing to my sons? Which one's the right thing to do? I feel like I don't have the energy to take that dare, but perhaps that's precisely the point. It brings me to a place where I can't do this without God's grace. It requires patience, steadfastness, unselfishness, and self-control that I can't gin up, even with a cup of coffee or three. But those are precisely the qualities that the Holy Spirit is here to give. And if I'm drawing on His strength rather than my own, how much better of a grace will my children see, know, and learn? And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We all fall short, and we all need short accounts kept for us. This is unrelenting love that keeps short accounts, includes asking the children's forgiveness when I sin against them. I do this sometimes, but not as often as I should, which is as often as I sin against them. If I break a promise, lash out, ignore them, become irritable, or insist unreasonably on my own way, I am sinning against my children and need to ask their forgiveness in order for us to be in fellowship. I cannot require of them what I will not do myself. That's how hypocrisy is taught and caught. So far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the parenting version of a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever love. It isn't warm fuzzies. It isn't nicey-sweet mama. It's relentless. It's staying, telling the child, no, I refuse to let you make your sin your pet. I will stand right here with you and not let you go until we're right. This is building relationship. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Homeschool Checklists for Kids. You should give your kids a checklist. A checklist reduces decision fatigue. You have already decided what each child should do and written it down. So when they pester you for the next task or wander off aimlessly because you aren't next to them, you have a place to go. A checklist reduces the number of times the children come to ask what's next. Even if you know what's next, being asked 217 times a day is exhausting in and of itself. With a checklist that they can look at, you'll only be asked maybe 178 times, but you'll have one answer. What's left on your list? Redirecting them to consult their own lists trains the habit of discipline and independent work, even though it takes years, yes, years, of pointing them back to it. Even if they still ask you questions, you have a single go-to answer, so your sanity is saved for other minor daily crises. Pop on over to simplyconvivial.com audio for your free one-page reference with five tips for making student checklists work in your homeschool. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. 
If you enjoyed this show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also hit the share button on the show notes to share this episode with your Facebook friends. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes and also sign up to get an email when a new one comes out. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat.